Welcome to Kuden, the radio show and podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Sheehan Jeffrey Miller and Shidoshi Eric White. Sheehan Miller is a 13th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 30 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Shidoshi Eric White has been a student of Sheehan Miller's for over a decade. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Hello, good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Kudan. I'm Eric White, joined by Jeffrey Miller. We are bi-coastal. He's in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. I'm in Yuba City, California, and we've got people listening from Georgia and other places today. We're at least catching this up uh, somewhere later down the road as we do post this up. You can download it and listen uh, listen back to it if you couldn't make it live on the call. But if you're there live, we, we take your questions and uh, try our best to answer those questions. And uh, we have uh, some great discussion about different martial arts uh, strategies, topics, uh, sometimes getting into questions about ninjutsu or just self-defense in general or sometimes just random stuff like spoondo. I don't know if we'll get into discussion <laughs> on spoondo today, but... Uh, <laughs> Great topic we should do sometime on the show. No, it's it's much better appreciated when it's when it's seen or experienced. I wouldn't <laughs> want to give it away. Right. One of right. those highly secret kind of things. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> ah, it's funny. <laughs> to become a spoondo master takes many, many to become years. A spoondo yeah. master. It also takes a couple of uh hours or sometimes days at seminars to uh convince somebody that he really wants to challenge the Spoondo master and uh, take his <laughs> rightful place in the annals of Spoondo history. Yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> cool stuff. Anyway, so uh, you sent me a message yesterday. Uh, you're working on getting this stuff listed up on, like, uh, iTunes and some other places too, right? Yeah, well, we want to we want to make it as accessible as possible, and uh, you know, get more and more people jumping on during the live session of of the show, but also just put it out there in more places. So yeah, looking to figure out how to get get it up on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, we we do have uh, SoundCloud. So I'm going to start uploading some of these things to our SoundCloud account as well. Just to, again, another way to kind of disseminate uh the shows if you will so that's different yeah. than inseminate right okay i check. think so <laughs> okay. well, if you went to school you would know <laughs> yeah there's a couple letters that are different right yeah it's just a word man don't it's worry about it. anyway okay cool beans so yeah i didn't see any uh questions come in through the kuden podcast facebook page uh none were emailed to me Although, uh, you know what, I actually did get an email, uh, mm. if I can toss this in there. I got an email from somebody, uh, this is just in the normal course of, of things, uh, email from someone here who uh, really had a question about the long-distance training, mm. and so I wanted to just kind of share my answer quickly. Uh, so uh, it was just a rather quick question here. Um, it says, uh, I was wanting to find out more about the Black Belt program, uh, if you have payment plans and all, and also wanted to find out if it's possible to grade 
without having someone to practice techniques on. Mm. So uh, I'm going to skip over the whole payment thing there or whatever, because that's really dependent on whether somebody actually wants to do it or not. But the possible to grade without having someone to practice techniques on um, is quite the conundrum that goes on with that kind of thing, because uh, there's lots of folks that want to train and, uh, you know, they, they have this opportunity, right? We talk about that in Nikyo, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I have the opportunity, or I've encountered the wisdom teachings, and I have the opportunity to uh, to do this now. If I don't take the opportunity now, when in the future, blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing, when in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing here where, you know, more and more these online training programs, I mean, I had one of the first that were available, right? But more and more of these things are available, and people want to do them. And from what I understand from some of these other instructors, people are writing to get involved in the program, but then they turn around and say, well, I don't think it's going to work for me anyway because, uh, you know, training in the dojo actually right there with your teacher is the best way to learn. Yeah, but you just sent me one or more emails telling me that you don't have anybody nearby, you uh, don't want to do it by seminar or are tired of doing it by seminar, and you want to have more contact and whatever, but you know, the closest dojo is a 1,000 miles away, 500 miles away, whatever. So people often, I think, steer themselves into this jam where they want to, but then they find all kinds of reasons why uh, it can't. But here's a very specific question uh, about grading without someone to practice on. And while I've heard some people say yes and I've heard some people say no in this art, you absolutely positively must have uh, a training partner. Um, see, I'm right there in the middle because the the answer for me is it depends on where you are and what you're working on, right? Because you can certainly do uh, – you can do kamai practice. You can do striking. You can do kicking and, you know, target work and uh, all kinds of things. I, I think I have a list of like 30 things uh, that you can do as a solo student and you don't need a training partner, Right. So there really never is a reason to not train other than you're distracted or it's just not that important and you won't admit it to yourself, right? So it is possible to practice certain skills without a partner. As far as grading goes, it depends on the curriculum you're working through and all that. But the reality is that at some point you will need a partner, right? Uh, Somebody who you can apply the techniques to, the Uke, the receiver of the technique, right? Um, but at the same time, in our program, uh, we offer uh, suggestions, and there's a whole course of study on how to build a training group, how to actually put one together together yourself. Because, um, in all honesty, that's what I did, right? I mean, I started in this art in 1980, and <laughs> and count on three fingers how many instructors there were in the entire Western world. Mm. Um, you know, that we're teaching, right? One was in Dayton, Ohio. One was in, at that point, California, and one was in Atlanta, Georgia. So, um, and I happened to be with the military in what was then West Germany. So, you know, a little difficult. I I think I was in South Korea first, and then I ended up moving around and all that. And it wasn't until I hit North Carolina that I was able to actually, uh, you know, drive someplace. When I was in mm-hmm. Germany, I actually had to fly, right? So uh, the, the travel arrangements were not that easy. But at the same time, right, here's this guy, me, right, um, 
happens. In a, in a world where there's maybe a couple dozen people training, right, um, in the Western world, and I needed bodies, right? So I did what I could as far as uh, come on and striking. I did lots, rolling practice, leaping practice, break falls, shuriken throwing, you know, uh, maneuvering long stabs and short stabs and all kinds of things that I could find, plant identification and uh, fire building, all kinds of survival skills, all these things. But it came down to also, you know, one of the four pillars is actual practical application. So I needed bodies. So I would start talking to people that I worked with, and or it would come up in conversation. You know, they knew I did this thing, and I said, you know, whatever. You can get together sometime if you want. And it started out as a friendly thing, and then uh, I, I remember uh, – one of the other ways that I got uh, closer to my teacher, because in the military, you only have so much leave time. You only have so right. much, and you have to get yeah. permission and all that kind of stuff, and it had to line up with seminars and all that. So once or twice a year, I was able to, I think one time I, I was able to get three in a year or whatever, or in that year, but um, uh, I, I had to coordinate all this stuff, and it wasn't cheap, you know what I mean? I was taking out personal loans to, uh, to pay for travel expenses to get someplace, and then I'd pay that back per paycheck, you know, hmm. uh, is a way I could work it out in the military. But um, so that was one way, but what I realized was that, hey, I could host seminars and bring the teacher to me, right? And then, of course, that taught me how to market and advertise and all that wonderful stuff. But um, so that's what I started to do. And uh, it was the first, I remember the first seminar, uh, I brought Shidoshi Malmstrom uh, over to Germany, and we had a blast. But, um, you know, I was talking about having a couple of guys and everything, and he said, look, you need bodies. You know, you need people to work with. Um, you know, you can do all this stuff, but when it comes down to the actual, you know, understanding how a technique is applied and uh, getting your timing uh, right and, and all that kind of stuff, you need bodies. So... I set out to try to figure out how to make this happen, and eventually I got into dropping little uh, wanted, uh, you know, classified ads in uh, in papers and things. I think maybe they cost me like two bucks for an edition or something like that. And in some shoppers these days, um, they charge you for an ad if you're selling something, but if you're looking for something, they don't charge anything for it. Uh, and it really depends on the paper. But that's what I did. I started with these little things, and um, had people calling me and, and whatnot, and I eventually put to, uh, put a training group together, you know, and one of the first questions that would pop up, and it still pops up with people today, is, yeah, but I'm just a white belt or I'm just a green belt or whatever. I'm not a black belt. And so, I mean, that was a question I tossed at Shoshi Malmstrom, you know. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm just a white belt. I'm just a green belt. I'm just, you know, whatever, right? It, same thing when he told me that I should charge for classes because, I'm, you know, I was this thing, right, and I needed bodies. And he said, what, what vested interest do your students have to have if they know that you will spend hundreds to go to a seminar and come back and give it to them for free? What, what, what interest or hmm. what uh, incentive do they have to actually pay to go to training anyway when you'll just do it for nothing, right? So there has to be some kind of in, investiture, so to speak, right? So anyway, so I, I could feel lots of things back and forth, and um, – uh, you know, he said, um, you know, at some point you're going to need, you're going to need bodies. So I, I put these groups together, 
and uh, that's what I did. So, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to long-distance training, um, I have something that a lot of folks don't have because a lot of folks, you know, they live close enough or they, they had plenty of money and extra time and things like that so they could go to all these seminars and, and learn all this stuff, and they usually didn't have a shortage of, of bodies. Or maybe they worked in Japan for a while and, uh, you know, learned all this stuff, and then they came back, so they had this for their credentials, you know, and they mm. automatically started setting things up and, and building things, right? Um, you know, I don't know. If you, I don't even know if you know this, but my school was an accident, right? No. I never set out to have a martial arts school, ever, right? Um, I didn't want to do this for a living, right? I was a security specialist, law enforcement, all that wonderful stuff. And what ended up happening was my group grew to such a size that we needed a place to train during inclement weather, and it became less and less convenient to train in my backyard or at a park or in my basement during inclement weather or whatever, and mm. I went looking for a, for a location, and um, it just continued to grow from there. But, um, yeah, so the answer to the question is uh, can you train and there are other th- you know, is there lots that you can practice without having a training partner? And the answer is yes, right? You can do uh, you can do training with the basics, whether it's kamai or striking or rolling or leaping or whatever. You can do plenty of that. Um, you can do uh, target striking. You can do shadow boxing where you're envisioning an attack coming at you and moving. Um, but there is this whole other pocket. And most people think based on what they see and how they see other people training, they think that, you know, you have to have a partner for 90% of your training. I'd say you need a partner for 40% of your training. Hmm. So, uh, but either way, um, so to grade, it depends on the curriculum. But, um, yeah, so anyway, but like I said, the difference between most programs and my program is in my program, I give people suggestions and ideas uh, for uh, setting up a group. As a matter of fact, in our um, advanced instructor uh, training and uh, dojo management program, and dojo could be replaced with shibu. Shibu is just a training group, right? Um, there's instruction for not just how to run a class uh, more effectively, more efficiently, and all that, but also um, how to more effectively promote the group and manage it so that you're not trying to hold on to the same one or two, eight, you know, from week hmm. to week, hoping somebody shows up during the pre-established uh, training time. Right? So, yeah. Anyway, I thought I'd throw that so out lucky there. these it's days. Just a question that came uh, up. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, we're fortunate these days. You know, as you kind of mentioned, you had to kind of put out some ads here, dollar two at a time. You know, now everybody's right. so connected to the Internet. You can put a Craigslist post up for free or a post on Facebook to groups. I mean, it's so easy to get your uh, message out that you're looking for other people to, to kind of work with or just get some bodies together. So, right. um, and yeah, I'd also I've kind of wonder... a little bit, but that's a good reminder. I'm, I'm going to have to yeah. put another listing up on Craigslist because I haven't, and I haven't uh, done the extra work with the uh, additional videos and things like that. Like most of the videos that I have up are general need to or self-defense for long distance people. And that's why I have a group like that. But I'm, you know, I, I personally know that I need to turn these things inward and make ones that are specifically keyword uh, specific and identified to 
uh, my local area. So when somebody types in uh, Karate uh, in Sunbury or Sealands Grove Karate or Sunbury Martial mm-hmm. Arts or whatever, that it's it's the thing that pops up. And uh, for those people who are all they, they get all weird because I use the words karate, martial arts, taekwondo, whatever. I had one one guy call me out. Uh, you know what? What would Hatsumi Sensei say if he knew that you were using the word Jinnikan in your uh, in your advertising? Uh, well, since he promotes pretty decently, if he understands how the internet works, and if he understands psychology to the level I think he does, he'd probably say "attaboy," because mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do are I'm, I'm using keywords that are not based on what I like or what I'd like for people to like, what I'm doing is I'm starting in their mind. So that may be a term that they know that's related to ninjutsu training and this kind of thing, and I don't care what that is, right? I mean, they may have heard, just like I've had students uh, or prospective students come to me and say, uh, you know, I heard that you guys were like the best school in the area and everything, and oh, wow, do you you have a family member that trains? Oh, no, like somebody that I work with, his second cousin, twice removed kid, used to train with somebody else, but they were really into this and saw you guys do a demo, and um, he's the one that said you were best. So they have no direct or yeah. even close yeah. direct knowledge, but they're they're basing it on some kind of a belief, right? So I have to – part of my ninja information gathering for building the school over the years uh, has had to – you know, has had to revolve around listening to the way people communicate when people call about information or we talk to them when we're at fairs or uh, health fairs or whatever we're doing, right, when we talk to people, I listen to the kind of vocabulary they use. I listen to the way they communicate. I listen to the way they describe martial arts training or whatever, right? And that's what I parrot back. That's what I use as keywords. That's what I toss in there. Is that what we're doing? Well, it's closer to that than billiards, so... You know, what What really makes me chuckle is people getting all weirded out because this is ninjutsu, this is not karate. Well, there's been periods in history where, yes, this was called karate because that was the fashionable term, right? But yeah. in a world of karate, right, and in a world of taekwondo and all this stuff, right, um, what's Hasumi Sensei use? He uses this term, which is relatively new, right, this ninja term or this ninjutsu term, um, you know, that that was taken over by Krav Maga, right? Here's this other thing from Israel, and, you know, it's this, hmm. you know, and it became a thing. And so, you know, I, I, I promote the school based on the fact that I know that there are way more people looking for martial arts and self-defense that contain certain types of lessons that they know that they need but they may not know the specific name of that thing. So, you know, and I and I base that belief on the fact that I've had lots of students come in and say, oh, my God, I've been looking for this all my life. I just had no idea what it was called. Great. So how about if I start my promotional activities using the terms that they're familiar with and that they would use because they don't know the word to or they don't know the word Ujinkan or whatever. Yeah. I mean, if you look at most of the – in the instructor training program, um, it's all recorded now, but if you listen to the assignments and, and uh, one of the assignments is, was uh, for students to uh, do Internet searches and or look around town for flyers and or web pages or whatever um, for 
local martial arts schools, right, and determine who the, who the, the advertisement or flyer or whatever, uh, who they were actually talking to, right? Because if you put your own preferences aside and you look at most of these pages, they're throwing around Japanese and terminology and all that, that the only ego they're stroking is, their, is themselves, right? They're, yeah. If somebody can't understand it, they're just going to click to the next page, okay? But what they're actually doing is they're only advertising to other people who are doing or want to do exactly what they're doing right now and people who already have the background and knowledge to know the difference. Do an Internet search between the words, and you can go to, like, Google AdWords and things like that. But um, uh, So I, I use – I don't do Google AdWords, but they've got this great keyword thing that I can type in a keyword, and it will tell me how often per month that term is searched on and how that relates to others. Okay? Hmm. So if I type in Bujinkan or I type in Nijutsu, as a matter of fact, I just did this again the other day, what I get is between one and 10,000 searches per month. That is Internet-wide that Google tracks. Okay? One to 10,000 searches per month. But if you type in martial arts or self-defense, right, you're getting well over a million or a hundred million searches per month. If you type in the generic word karate, oh, my God, the number of zeros behind the one is just – it's amazing, right? So why would I not start with casting the biggest net to attract the attention of people that are looking for things – draw them to the site or to my lessons or videos or whatever, and then based on what they see, they will disqualify themselves because they will recognize that that's not what they're looking for. Or I talk too much. Or, you know what I mean, they're looking for, just tell me where to put my foot. I want to be entertained with these three minutes so I can move on to the next video. Right? Well, I don't want that student as, I don't want that person as a student anyway. Right? So, uh, so the way I've done it is set it up so that um, – these people self-select, right? I cast out the biggest net, yeah. but the net has big holes in it, so you know the wrong fish can just slip right through, and it's okay, right? <laughs> but um, if you look at most yeah. of these, uh, even look at most of the Bujinkan websites, right? They all they all are saying the same thing, but the biggest thing that's lacking on most sites, Bujinkan or not, is what benefits the student will be getting or the prospective student will be getting from that training. Not the features, nine schools, blah, 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 this, this old, we train directly under Masaki Atsumi from Noda City, Japan. Can you use more foreign words to say nothing to someone? Because that person doesn't care about that at the moment. What they care about is they're being terrorized by somebody or they have low self-confidence or, you know, they're going to be traveling and or they're, they're looking for something for their – 17-year-old daughter who goes off to college in a year and a half, right? That kind of thing, right? So are they going to be getting what it is that they're looking for, or are they just looking at, you know, another advertisement for the Mutual Admiration Society? Right. So, you know, it's just – and part of this makes me a black sheep, and I'm okay with that, right? Because <laughs> if, if – if people really understood what it was that was being accomplished, 
you know, as opposed to just throwing something out there and bragging about we, you know, um, in the in the prospective student's mind, they don't care who the teacher is as much as they care about getting what they need from the teacher. They'll develop loyalty and trust and stuff over time if the teacher bears him or herself out. But, you know, it is what it is. So... I, I, you know, kind of this person's question as well, I would kind of ask them back maybe, you know, why, why is, why is rank important to you? You know, is this, uh, if you're, if you're training on your own anyhow, who, you know, what, what, what's the point? Are, are, are you looking at this from, look, I want to know I'm progressing, uh, or, or is it, I just want to be able to tie a different color belt on and feel good about that. You know, what, what, right. what is the appeal of gaining that rank? Cause if you're on your own and you're only impressing yourself, if you're in it for that, but if you're looking for a way to know that you are progressing with the skills, well, I would say that the, even uh, in a long distance fashion, uh, that that's something that's uh, able to be accomplished to, to know or hear back from your teacher, even at a long distance uh, that, Yes, I can. I can tell either you've sent me a video or something. I can tell your footwork's improving, that, that kind of thing. Right, right. And I, I, I agree. And you know, rank has been important to me off and on throughout my career. You know, in the in the beginning, I was a police officer, so I didn't care what it was called. What I cared about was that it worked. So I was a white belt for like the first two years of my training in this art, not just because I was long distance, but because I never put myself out there for rank. And then when my teacher suggested that I do that, so it'd be, because it would be easier for him to guide my progress, I went, mm, okay, why not, right? So I do that, and uh, actually the first rank was given to me by Shidoshi Malmstrom during one of those seminars where I brought him to um, to Germany, right? And so he gives me my uh, ninth cue, and my, the first words out of my mouth were, are you sure? Because I didn't have a syllabus. I wish hmm. if there was information coming in or if I saw, and we didn't have video then, so I know there's books and magazines and things like that, or I've been to seminars, so I was just working on my own, right, with whatever I had, mm -hmm. right? The right. first seminar I ever went to was designed for people that were showdowns going to Nido. No clue, right? Just <laughs> wrote all the stuff down and came back home and kept on working, right? Because the knowledge was the important part, not the not the rank. So. Yeah. But he gave me this, and of course, what followed after my question was, "Don't you ever fucking ask me that question again?" I wasn't <laughs> sure I wouldn't have given it to you. Fair enough. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, he was Marines and I was Army, so uh, you know, <laughs> we can communicate. Anyway, so sure. but then you know that was like another one of those things where I just kind of wrote it out for a while, and then it was suggested that uh, I just perform a demonstration during this one rank review time, don't think of it as testing, just, you know, just show some stuff, right? Well, again, I didn't have a syllabus to work on, work with, so I just got out there and did a bunch of stuff, right? And I ended up being promoted from 8th Q to 6th Q, right? So through three ranks in uh, at one test. And that happened several times throughout my testing because I'm just notorious for holding off testing. It wasn't important. You know, um, same thing with my getting my goat on, right? I held off that test forever until, again, mm. Shoshi Malmstrom forced me to take the test, right? And then I held off rank for a long time. Ended up going to Japan. I get this question, and I know it's what the question is all about. You know, how long have you been training? What is your rank? Right? 
Exactly. I, I'm not here for rank. Well, it's not for you to decide, blah, 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 right? And, again, in one visit to Japan, I went from fifth Don to eighth Don um, in the same promotion, right? Um, so, you know, so why am I a 13th Don and not a 15th Don? Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, because I don't go to Japan to collect rank, right? right. So, um, but anyway, it's just – so there have been times – like when I was in my early black belt stages, probably somewhere around Nidon or Sandan, um, I decided that, okay, look, I'm going to hunker down here and I'm going to, uh, maybe it was a little bit later than that, Sandan, Yondan, something like that. And I decided I was going to go for my fifth Don because I wasn't sure how long Hatsumi Sensei was going to be alive, right? Um, so anyway, I worked on this, got through a couple of Don levels and then got closer to fifth Don and decided you know what, what does it matter? Because my, one of my concerns was, what if he passes and the person who takes over won't train people unless they're of a certain rank or higher? Because there was some, you know, some uh, rumors and stuff that that may, that may be the case, depending on who got hmm. it, right? This was way back, right? And hmm. so that was a concern, right? I don't want to be cut out of the loop, so if that's what it takes, then okay, I'll do this thing, right? Uh, and that came up again uh, you know, a couple of years ago and all that. But then again, then I, you know, I thought, um, what does it matter? I mean, if the person's going to exclude people because they don't have a certain rank, knowing how rank tends to um, to be handed out, not that it's not valuable or whatever, but knowing how the process works, it's just, I don't know, it lost its allure. Kind of mm-hmm. thing. So these days, mm-hmm. unless me since they, you know, just out of the blue goes, uh, okay, now you're that rank. I'm not putting myself out there for anything because, to me, it's not necessary. But I can see how, for some folks, maybe they want to be an instructor and they believe, rightly or wrongly, that people will only take them seriously if they have a black belt. Okay, fine. Maybe it's about personal validation. Maybe there's something about them and their belief about themselves that uh, that somehow having that rank will – make them, I don't know, better, more accepted, uh, whatever, right? Whatever the reason is, that's fine, but you're right. We you know, we should be asking the question. So, I, by the way, I did submit that back to them as, as part of the answer uh, with, uh, hmm. you know, kind of a breakdown on the other questions that they asked. So, you know, that was, that was cool. Um, another person specifically, one of their answers was, uh, they wanted to learn it to do because eventually they want to teach it. So my responding answer or my responding question to that answer was, what is it about Nijutsu that you think will give you more success? Because they're already practicing karate. So what is it about mm. Nijutsu that you like or that you think will give you a greater advantage or that will make you a more successful person? So we ask mm. really tough questions. Right? So <laughs> I just want to see what I get fed back, right? Um, so anyway. Is what it is. Yeah. So, uh, well, it's yeah, a great question. Guess. Question, and and you know, I think the tips for you know, again, creating training groups and things are, are extremely valuable for those people who are are long distance. And yeah, just for some of those things, you you need a body. You need somebody to throw a fist your way. And and yeah, and and one of the things I realized with helping people develop uh, and build training groups, or even just get their friends to train with them, is many people don't know what to say. To, to kind of kick it off, or they're they're explaining it, they're talking about how great it is and all that, but 
and they know this other person is interested, but they're just not creating any kind of motivation. So how do I do that? Well, we have that whole ninja motivation and influence program as well. So, you know, there's all these things, um, but often people don't know what to say. They don't know, even know how to step forward to begin putting a training group together or based on their own personality type or uh, internal, you know, demons or whatever, the idea of putting themselves out there then becomes scary because, you know, who am I uh, to offer this stuff? Well, the reality is you're the only one in your area and you can't find a school, right, um, near you, then who else is going to bring the art to that area? Are you just going to wait yeah. around until somebody else that you don't know about does the same thing uh, yeah. or whatever? But, you know, um, so that's what I did. I mean, it wasn't just a, a, the fact that I, you know, I, this was way, way back, and very few people had even heard of Ninja or Ninjutsu outside of the cheesy movies that were coming out. Um, and I didn't, I didn't think about if not me, then who. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't think about those things, but that's really what was going on. And but yeah. at, the, at the same time, there was a huge. Um, I think the biggest motivator then was uh, greed, and I don't mean greed in a bad way. I mean like desire. I wanted this stuff. I wanted to learn it, and I yeah. needed these things to learn it. So. You know, and I, I know growing up, most of us are taught that being greedy or whatever is bad or whatever. But, you know, the most influential people in the world have attained things that allow them to be influential. You know, as much as uh, uh, Bill Gates, right, is, is not for not donating. Look at all the billions that he makes. And, you know, he needs to give, some, give a bunch of that money away. If people were to actually look at the numbers, and of course a lot wouldn't care, right? At mm-hmm. the at the billions that he gives away, right? Because he doesn't need it, you know. But would he be able to do that if he didn't make fistfuls of money? No, right? right? Would I be able to influence the lives of children, parents, adult students, or whatever? And now the corporate world, had I not been greedy enough to go after this stuff, and if I had just settled for whatever school was closest to me. No. The answer is no. Flat out no. I wouldn't yeah. be the person that I am today because of the lessons I received. You and I wouldn't be having this conversation. I probably wouldn't even know you. Right. So, uh, you know. Jeez, so, then yeah, who else would I have had in my wedding? That, that would have been terrible. <laughs> See, your wedding <laughs> would not have been one of the most secure weddings ever in the history of weddings. Uh, yeah. Remember that joke between your wedding and, and, um, and uh, Pete Beck's wedding? Yeah, um, I remember Pete Beck's wedding. The minister actually saying, "I don't think I've ever felt this safe conducting a wedding ever <laughs> in my in my in my career," because on the on the bride side there was a good mixture of people. There were a few people that sat over there from our school uh, on the bride side, but on the groom side, oh my God, ninety percent of the people <laughs> that were guests on the groom side were black belts and higher, or you know heading in that direction, security specialists and all that. So. God help anybody that would have stood up and said, "Yeah, I object to this wedding." You know. Oh no. <laughs> the, the only the only groomsman on Pete's uh, side that wasn't uh, a black belt was his brother. That was his best man, right? At your yeah. at your wedding. I mean, <laughs> how many how many uh, non-training uh, black uh, black belts did you have uh, as groomsmen? 
Oh no, they were, everybody was higher ranked than me, so I yeah, felt really safe. Everybody, so right, yeah. <laughs> so you know, uh, good stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and this kind of you know gets into something I hear you talk about a lot too, and and you know gets into what makes a ninja ninja and different from you know if you look at history, ninja samurai, or just today, what what is the ninja mind and all of that, and it, it seems to so often fall back to intention. You know, everybody wants these black and white this is good, this is bad, you know, greed is bad, and giving is good. Uh, however, uh, I think somebody that, that studies this and gets gets deep into it starts to realize, like, ooh, it's the intention behind it, and everything else can kind of fall into the gray zone. You know, you can say greed, however, like you mentioned in the case of Bill Gates or something, or just this desire to attain more, if it if it is beneficial and your intention is you know to benefit others then that becomes a good thing um same kind of thing with you want to be really giving well how many people do we know in our lives that are extremely giving of themselves but it takes their toll on them and then they are incapacitated by those who take from them so is that being right. giving Can really a good thing is it intent is the intent to help others or is it the intent of I can't not say, I can't say no to them. Uh, so, you know, we, we start to find intention and it gets to that very first lesson of, uh, in, in the ninja of, of, uh, you know, uh, spiritual kind of refinement, you know, starting from that kind of. Yeah. And all this stuff is, all right this stuff place. is balanced out with endurance, right? I mean, you have to mm. endure more challenges. The more you put yourself out there, the more challenges you have to endure. Right. So, it's amazing how many people that say they want to learn something like this and they can't put up with, uh, I don't know, a spouse who doesn't understand and uh, makes them feel guilty or whatever. Okay. If and this, this is where that, that uh, Ninja no Kyomon or that Seishin Keki, that spiritual refinement comes in. It's that holding that light in your heart of what your intention is, regardless of what's going on around you. Right. It's the, knowing that you're the good guy, even though you're putting on the face of the bad guy and going undercover in a really dark, you know, organization or whatever, right? So it's holding this thing. So I know why I'm doing what I'm doing, and I know that it will be beneficial, not just for me, but for everyone that I touch, right? And I'm not speaking from a pulpit here. My first wife absolutely, positively did not understand this and saw it as taking money, time, and a whole bunch of other things from the family. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, as a matter of fact, during that one seminar, Shinoshi Momstrom sat down and, you know, she's just like, I don't understand this. And he, he said, and I, I appreciate that you don't understand it. And I, I understand, you know, where you're coming from, right? And I know your husband. Okay? I know him really, really well. And I know that if you told him that you didn't want him doing this, one, he'd probably figure out a way to make it happen anyway, but he would not do it to the extent where you think it's, it's affecting you. He would do that. But I also know that you wouldn't want to live with the guy that you were then with because um, what you're asking him to do is basically commit suicide spiritually, right? So, and again, I'm not asking you to understand that. I'm just asking you if you like this strong, confident, capable person that you're with or if you'd rather have somebody who was just a slave and did what you wanted um, but you didn't have the same kind of connection 
because you weren't with the same person anymore, right? Yeah. So it, it, we eventually went on to, you know, we ended up getting a divorce later on, but that was was her decision, not my decision, and it was, well, maybe it was my decision. She decided she'd rather be with somebody else than with me um, mm. during one of my stints way far away. So I came home and said, well, nice talking to you. So, but anyway, mm. um, uh, what um, what uh, she eventually came around to was, well, I guess I don't have to understand it. Um, you know, he's he's not hurting us. He's, you know, actually making us feel more safe and everything. So I just have to accept and trust that he, uh, you know, he's doing this for us as well, right? Because she she just didn't get it, right? So, but if you can't endure that kind of, you know, disapproval or misunderstanding or whatever, one, maybe you're with the wrong person anyway, but um, uh, if you don't, if you can't endure that, how are you going to endure, you know, somebody trying to, you know, kill you or, you know, whatever, right? Uh, yeah. But I mean, this this stuff just goes way, way deep. I mean, um, and the way I was taught, we're, we're way very early on. Right now, everybody's focused on learning the the newest kata or newest oldest kata, whatever, right? Or the correct way to do things. When what I was taught was, uh, you know, being able to develop myself so that I could see through manipulative actions at work or at home, whatever, right? So that. Um, Somebody didn't get to know my weaknesses and be able to set me off when the boss was coming around the corner, and then I lost my job. And the reason why that whole thing got set up was because the guy who set me off wanted my job, you know, that kind of thing, mm. right? So mm-hmm. uh, ninjutsu just runs, it just runs way, way deeper. But it, endurance really is in here, right? I mean, if if something is worth having, are you committed to being able to stay the course, right, regardless of, you know, you may be the only one in the room who thinks this is a good idea, right? Um, but, I mean, that, that really is that really is the thing. I mean, in, our, in the dojo, we have uh, the student creed, which is actually a, a, a slight reworking of the Sankey, uh, uh, Sankey, Sankyo, right? The uh, belief in uh, self and, you know, all that stuff, right? It's the Buddha mm-hmm. Dharma Sangha thing, right? So it's just a rewording of that. And then we have the vows of intention. So we go from belief in to vowing and intending to uh, do our best in these eight areas. And then we have the warrior code of action, which are just statements of fact, right? So one go, one begins with, I believe in myself, what I study, whatever. The other one is, I intend to develop myself in a positive, whatever, those kind of things. And then the mm-hmm. last one, the master's uh, creed is, uh, or the code of action is, I train to protect life and health. I will avoid the violent treatment of others whenever possible. So we take people through this kind of thing, but, you know, the, the vows, the, the, the vows of attention, number eight, the last one is I intend to be an example to others of the power of the ninja's art. And then when a student learns that, my follow-up question is, what is the power of the ninja's art? And the answer is endurance, the ability to persevere. It's right there on our T-shirts. It's right there on our jackets. That nin symbol, that is. So are you a walking, talking, living example of the core thing that makes a ninja a ninja? The ability to endure, right? Because samurai were all about convention, right? Mm -hmm. You had to do things the right way based on social convention, 
or you lost face, your family lost face, you committed seppuku, and that's it, right? So here the ninja focused on accomplishing results and being willing to put up with hardship, if necessary, to make that happen. Because having that in the world, this thing that I'm seeking, having it manifest in the world, in myself, whatever, is more important than not having it. Right? Not having it is is worse off. Right? It's just, it's just a worse state uh, of being or of existing or of experience than having this thing. Another way to say it is if it's worth dreaming, it's worth having. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. And that yeah. kind of gets, I think, too, to this, uh, you know, idea of, you know, freedom in a sense that uh, uh, kind of attaining this power to endure things to still, you know, stay the course and accomplish your goals or adjust to get there if need be uh, really gives one. I don't know, a sense of, of more freedom. And I think of this as kind of the ninja samurai example that um, because they weren't trapped by this convention or code they had to follow, they had so many more options to attain whatever that goal happened to be uh, versus, you know, a samurai who had to only work within the confines of what their code said they could do. And it's not that they didn't have, you know, I mean, they were very, very strong and on all that. It was just, this is like two sides to the same coin, right? I mean, ninja are warriors, right? And they had a code that they followed and things like that. It was just, um, you know, it, it wasn't as, it wasn't as limiting, right? Because um, you always have Japanese social convention. But at the same time, you know, the ability to step outside of that and um, and get things done. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, so uh, there we are on on this discussion. Uh, I think you want to talk about Kamai a little bit. I think we have a little bit of time to do that. But, yeah, um, yeah, we've got about 15 minutes left. Uh, I had just kind of jotted down some some notes as, as uh, a topic for discussion on Kamai, and you know, I uh, being being somebody who has trained uh, with your school and then done some time training in Japan, you know, one of the things I see is kind of you've set up a, a structure to courses through your your program versus, you know, this uh, you go to Japan and everybody's just kind of in a class and the teacher describes something or shows something and then you just try to kind of work it out. So there's a real difference in training. Um, not that one is inferior or superior to the other, but interestingly enough, you know, I've seen how you've broken out um, techniques, and in this case, wanted to kind of hit on just Kamai briefly uh, as it kind of relates to the Godai or those elemental properties to help outline for students, you know, the strategy of, of each kind of what you outline as modules uh, and, and the emotional responses that kind of go along with each one of those. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, and we can look at Kamai, remember, you know, Nikio runs deep within within uh, uh, Ninjutsu. So uh, there's always three aspects to everything. There's always a physical aspect. There's always a psychological, uh, you know, mental, strategic kind of aspect. And there's always a spiritual, internal, intention-based kind of thing, right? That thought, word, and deed, the sanmitsu. Um, it's just 
it's it's in everything. So the ability to see that is really helpful. So uh, you know, we could we practice kamai from just a physical mechanical base? Of course, that's how we start people, right? Um, but then what separates the the kamai from a stance, right? Uh, I mean, we could we could look at things historically and and etymologically, right, <laughs> and understand that uh, a stance. From the Japanese Chinese perspective, a stance, dachi, gets its name from the position of the body from the hips down, typically the position of the legs. So horse stance, cat stance, those kind of things, right? Are all named for the position of the legs. Okay. Hmm. Kamai, generally, because Aikido and certain forms of jiu-jitsu and things like that have kamai, right? Kamai typically are named for the position of the limbs and the position of the body from the waist up. Okay? Hmm. But it needs to, it's holistic. So there's a physical aspect. They're still named for the position of the limbs, but holistically, there is a physical aspect and a spiritual, emotional, uh, intention-based aspect. Okay? So one of the first level of transmission is you teach somebody how to actually take up the come on. Right? So in our curriculum, you know, we have these five modules, and in each module there's a solid color belt that represents the module, um, yellow, blue, whatever, and they actually are related to aspects on the mandala. So if people are learning about these life aspects from the just from the belt system, right? So these things reflect hmm. across uh, things, right? So, yeah, the colors of the belt system, just in case you didn't know that, come off the mandala, okay, from the realms of the mandala. Um, so... Uh, the, so the first one, with the exception of Mod 1, where the first belt is white instead of the solid color with a white stripe on it, so that's just to note somebody who's, who's a beginner to that um, that methodology or that um, approach to defending, right, and types of attacks that that's uh, designed to handle and all that. So at that level, when they're let's say somebody's testing from blue-white to blue belt, they just have to show me how to take up this come-on. That's it, right? And they have to be able to, to know uh, the name of it, and they have to know the translation of it, okay, uh, what it means, okay? And then when they're going to go from the, the intermediate level to the advanced level within that module, so the solid blue belt to the blue belt with a black stripe, and I know this doesn't match how they do it in Japan. If that turns you off, then perhaps you're looking at the wrong things. Perhaps I am. Whatever. That just means we're not a good fit. And that's not to you. That's to everybody else who gets a little weirded out because it doesn't look the same. Okay? Well, all chairs don't look the same, but you can sit in all of them. So, um, so anyway, um, so going from blue to blue-black, now with that Kamai, right, what I want to see is this defensive nature. I want to see um, that I, I can see that you're feeling what this Kamai represents, right? So there's more of a spiritual aspect to this. There's more of an emotional kind of aspect to this, right? You're hiding behind limbs if it's defensive kamai, that kind of thing, right? Um, and uh, you are uh, you're, you're being driven more by the emotional base. Um, so the, the physical part has to be there or you'll fall down or, or get stuck or whatever, right? And then finishing out to graduate out to the next module, you need to be able to explain to me where the openings are in giving kamai and what the bad guy sees. So strategically, what is it that we're doing with a given kamai to control the to control the bubble in front of us? Okay. So 
uh, and you've been through all this stuff, right? I mean, uh, sometimes you may get a, a lesson tossed out, but you were blue-white, but I was talking to people blue belt or higher or blue black or whatever, mm. but everybody's mm-hmm. getting the lesson. It just takes you longer to develop that, that aspect and be able to do it. So by the time you get to Shodan, Nidan or whatever, you automatically take up a Kamai that matches your emotional state, the, the environment, the dictates of, of the situation uh, so that, you know, you're not just going with the flow of the attack that he's throwing, but part of that flow is your own emotional uh energy that's that's popping around right so um so yeah there's there's I mean, you, again we can look at these things from a mechanical base we can look at them from a, from a strategic psychological uh control base right uh and we can also look at it from an emotional uh you know why would you go to this position well look at somebody who freaks out right somebody sneaks up on them and startles them and their arms move to a certain position their body turns and blades Right, that kind of thing, right? So what if we, you know, shifted away? We took that same line and shifted away from the person and relaxed the arm down into position and, oh, my God, there's a problem, you know? So th- these things intrinsically, and this is the way I was taught, the kumai grew out of natural human response. They weren't invented hmm. by somebody because of they were creating a style because it was a certain way of fighting, they were an extension of. And then you modify things by taking into account clothing, armor, weaponry, those kind of things, right? So, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Uh, I'm a real, I, you want to go with I think it, like, uh, like a real eye-opener uh, for that example for me was learning uh, uh, hoke no kamai, right? Like the, the where your, both arms come up in the front and and just that whole kind of ah response of how it's so ingrained that oh both, right hoko uh, hoko yeah. hoko yeah. not hoko hoko come on yeah. and, and yeah. they both come up like in this very much like your hands would come up ah you know and and it's just so right. natural that was a big eye opener early in my training for that right well, how, one of the, one of the ways I introduce that yeah one of the ways I introduce that to people is um in the context of knife defense where you're just kind of doing your thing, and maybe you note there's a fight going on, but next thing you know, this guy pulls a knife, and he's slashing at your gut, and you do this little kind of a hop-shift-back kind of thing, and your mm-hmm. arms kind of lift to clear, right? So you're in this, whoa, kind of position, um, mm-hmm. and absolutely. And if you get a chance to look at any of the videos that Hatsumisa they've ever put out, um, in... Uh, Oh boy, I think it's in um the Kotoryu video, I think, right? Um there's this concept in the Kotoryu Kurai Dori, uh, uh which is where the Kamai are listed. And there are only five Kamai listed and one's listed twice, right? Sagon. Okay. So you have a left and right Sagon and then you have Hirichimonji, you have uh Bobi, and you have what else is in there? Uh but anyway, they're listed just individually, right? So on the surface, it looks like there's five kumai, but there aren't, okay? Hmm. So remember that paper and ink were at a premium. So what they did was they wrote out a right Sagan no kumai and a left Sagan no kumai, and then you're supposed to extend that to the other three kumai. A left hmm. and right Hirichimonji no kumai, a left and right Bobi no kumai, 
So again, on a surface conventional level, you're looking at right side forward, left side forward. But if you understand that left and right are symbolically representative of what in Gyokoryu would be called the tiger realm and the dragon realm, or the idealist realm and the practice. And what you see is that the right side version or the right, you know, right, is about those times and situations where you're in control, right? And you can be logical about this. And so you're, you know, everything's perfect, right? Come on, it's clean and crisp and all that kind of stuff. Your torso is right over your legs, just like we teach everybody, right? But hidai segan no kumai, right? Left side segan no kumai is not about your left side. And it's kind of like the right hand of God and the left hand of God, right? One side is the perfect side, and the other side is, you know, that kind of thing, right? So hidai segan no kumai is emotionally driven. Even in the video, he's describing this idea where it's adaptive to the situation. So it may be more aggressive and leaning forward. It may be, in the case of Senosente, I think it's Senosente, uh, demonstrating this in the video, your your torso is reclined back in one of those, oh, shit, kind of uh, mm. things where something's really coming at you hard and fast, and you're not calm, cool, and collected. So right side, kamai, or anything, is epitome of grace and form and perfect, you know, Left side, yeah, not so much, okay? In Gyokoryu, we have the dragon realm and the tiger realm, okay? The dragon realm is less effort, relaxed, very graceful. It's the perfect technique because, uh, you know, you, you've got control. Tiger side, the emotions are driving you to be rough and raw and just snap things, okay? So Hatsumi Sensei tends to demonstrate everything based on the dragon realm. Hmm. But there's this whole other side of the training that still has to be there because you may be angry. You may be scared. You may be apprehensive. You, those kind of things, right? So there's, there's all this stuff, right? Um, and when it comes to Kamai, you know, we tend to introduce Kamai in sets and each one is given kind of a, an aggressive or a defensive or a neutral kind of position, right? Um, uh, and then there's some that we relate, you know, that, okay, these tend to be what we call earth kamai. There's no such thing as an earth kamai, but they're kamai that it's easier to teach that earth stable commander kind of position from. Same thing with defensive kamai. There's no such thing as defensive kamai, but there are kamai that allow us to teach that more expediently, right? So we introduce those, and then um, then everybody has to go through the kamai again, where you can do the kamai from an, that same kamai, from an earth attitude, right, emotion, from a water defensive kind of thing, which you may have gotten it there or not, right, from a fire aggressive one. Uh, there's some classes where we'll do the Sagon or Ichimonji or whatever, and I'll say, look, your kamai is a weapon, okay? You still go back into kamai the same way you normally do, but it's an attack. So do it with the right timing, the right positioning, and with the right intention. So even though you're backing away, it's an attack. So it's a whole other way of looking at it, right? Um, how to look at them from the evasive position. And then there's another way to look at your kamai 
where your kumai come from specific lineages, so the kumai would have been developed based on the strategy and all that from that particular lineage, right? But you're supposed to go through them again and replace the original strategy with the strategy of each of the other eight lineages, okay? You do that same hmm. thing with your techniques in the upper levels, right? In the lower levels, you're going through the technique, so Gyoko Ryu level or Gyoko Ryu, Gyoko Ryu techniques are done Gyoko style. Koto Ryu techniques, Koto style. So you can, underst you can understand and explain those. That's our lower black belt levels all the way up to fourth belt, right? This is the way it's done in this lineage. This is the way I want to see it. So you can explain to me the difference between Koto Ryu strategy and Gyoko Ryu strategy. But in the upper levels, no, they get, they get recombined again, just like they are in the greater Bujinkan. So you can do Koku from Gyoko Ryu, both using the principles of Gyoko Ryu and the principles of Koto Ryu and the principles of Tagagi Yusho Ryu, and the, you get the idea, right? Mm. So the techniques will change slightly um, as we change the principal combat method or the principles driving the technique. Um, they have to change by their nature because the, the approach is different, right? So the angling is going to be different and, and all that, right? So it's the same. Hmm. The same but different. And same we don't have nearly different. the time to go into this stuff. Same but different. That's right. Yeah. Not to not, not to be confused with same difference. Right? Ah. Right. Uh, I hate that when people use that. There is such a thing as a same difference, right? Like apples to oranges and uh, pine trees to oak trees. Same difference, Right? But when somebody talks about one thing and it's really something else and they try to reconcile it from an egocentric standpoint, they go, ah, same difference. No, they're different. <laughs> There's no same difference. <laughs> right? So <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, that, uh, uh, that takes us up to the end if we want to see if there's any questions from callers. Uh, we do. Absolutely, we do. So let me toss this into interactive mode. So if you're on the call and you're live, uh, you can speak up and ask a question. If you are on the webcast, uh, if you're new to this, uh, the way this works is every time I or Eric say something, it takes about 17 to 18 seconds, depending on also the speed of your system, but about 17 to 18 seconds for you to hear that thing, talk about lag time, right, uh, coming out of your device speakers, okay? So that's why I let the guys on the phone go first. But uh, if you have a question or a comment, there is that text block on your device that you can use to submit that. So uh, uh, we said we had there Lee or anybody else is live on the call. If uh, you have a question or a comment about anything that we talked about today or something different, now's the time to speak up. And Eric will answer these this time because I've talked enough. Not same difference, something different. <laughs> <laughs> Not same difference, different. That's right. All right. Lee, are you still there? I am, sir. Thank he you. Probably, he probably walked away from his computer. I usually, spoons again. I usually try to uh, keep the uh, mute on my phone, you know, in case you guys don't have it on your side for some reason. Fair enough. So I just had to turn okay. take that off. Um, dude, as always, uh, amazing, and I loved it. Uh, I love the, 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 the group, the training group, growing aspect of it too this is one thing that 
Um, I mean, you know, I came in later than you did, but I still came in when I was 12 years old and, you know, a long time ago. And uh, there still wasn't a whole lot going on there. And so the, the uh, uh, you know, you had to go where you had to go. Um, so, but uh, the, the information is uh, it was, was quite amazing. Well, good. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, can you um, on Eric's side? Uh, <laughs> can I watch? Could you shoot me a, uh, an email or something later for that? Uh, what is that? Uh, spoon dough or spoon jitsu or something? <laughs> I, am, I am so excited to hear about that. <laughs> How to set up and give your friends uh, concussions? That's really what it's all about. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll send you an email. Sure, why not? Thank you. Oh, uh, that's funny. You're welcome. That's, that's great. Nice. All right, we spent we spent an hour, and all he wants to know about is spoon dough. I'll wrap this up at the very beginning. Powerful trend. I don't really have a whole lot of questions. Like like the, the, the you answer all the questions, and I have to like. Well, because you're already a master like, already, so I don't know why you show up I've for these like, calls. I've got to like go away for five days just to contemplate everything that you say. <laughs> Well, it's great. Good thing we only do it once a week, right? Could you imagine if we did daily things? One, I would have no time. So um, I don't know if I could yeah. handle that. I had somebody insinuate one time that um, the reason they couldn't get involved in my training program was because I wasn't available <laughs> um, often enough. And, wow. you know, if I were really concerned about students, if that student needed me to be available at one thirty in the morning, my time, then I would be available. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Do you go to work for 24 hours out of any given day? I mean, that that's, you know, and I know we had some folks that were kind of disappointed because I put this thing at 2.30 in the afternoon. But in all reality, that's the only time that Eric and I could match it up. I mean, we're across the country from each other. So I get it. We're also recording it. So, but we still get people that are like, man, what's wrong with you? I'm still at work during that time. It's not a good time for me. Um, okay, but. When you're available, that's not a good time for me. So what do I do? You know, divorce my family and what, right? So, uh, yeah, anyway, but I appreciate you being on, and I appreciate everybody that, uh, you know, whether they can or can't, uh, follows along, gets things through the uh, through the recordings. So, But if questions do pop up, you know, you know how to, how to get through and, and uh, post them or whatever because – the more questions that we get from folks, the the more valuable this becomes. And it's not just Eric and I sitting around trying to figure out, hmm, what do you think people would be interested in? Well, you tell us, right? And if I'm not qualified or uh, we don't think that's something that we can cover, uh, we're not going to spoke up anybody's butt. So if, if we don't think we can cover it, we're just going to go, hmm, uh, that's probably better directed to, and if I don't know a name, I'm just going to say someone else. But if I do know a name, I'm going to direct you in that direction. Just like when somebody contacts me at the school here, you know, and I say, uh, one of our qualifying questions during an information call is, uh, what are you looking to get out of our, our program, right? And they're going to tell me, right? But if it comes down to where this guy wants to be an MMA fighter or is looking for uh, really absolutely must be doing Taekwondo or he is almost a black belt in, and I've had people like this, right, almost a black belt in pick a dough, doesn't really matter, right? Uh, and they're looking for that thing, if I know somebody in the area that does that, I'm going to send them in that direction, right? Because I'm not here to be a used car salesman, right? If they're looking for what we have to offer, they'll be back, 
and I'm cool with that, right? So, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, I, I just think that people just need to be more deliberate with the way they handle things, including their own training, but I'm not here to tell you how to do that either. So, but if people are serious about doing things, um, you know, and the only thing getting in your way is no training partners, don't use that as an excuse. Use that as motivation. Okay? So, tis what it is. All right. Anybody else? I don't see, I don't any see anything coming through the on the Q&A side. We'll give it another minute or two. Anything, any finishing thoughts you have there, Mr. White? I'm all out of thoughts. I hope not. You still have to run a business there. <laughs> oh, I'm done after this. I don't think the done. owners are going to be real happy that the operations director is like, no, they're going to come into my office and why are you drooling? <laughs> <laughs> I was on a call. <laughs> I was talking to the East Coast. You know how those people are. <laughs> <laughs> just use that. I've got broad shoulders. These damn management calls, they just take it out. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. All right. I don't see anything uh, that's come through on the Q&A side. So uh, I guess we can wrap this up for another week. Excellent. Until next week. Thank you for listening to Kudet, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes with Sheehan Miller, or to submit a question or discussion topic to the show, call 570-884-1118 or visit warrior-concepts-online.com.